I think over under went total on the Steelers this year, Jake. Kenny Pickett year two? Seven and a half. Ooh. Mike DeCorsi going over under seven and a half for your Steelers. Hey, I'm going over on that. I was going to say, I was thinking hovering around double digits. Yeah, probably. Actually, the over under probably in Vegas for them is what, nine and a half? Oh, I don't think it's that high. I, I'd have to look it up. I, I was in uh, the Bahamas last year for vacation, and I think it was seven and a half then. And I might have put $20 on that. And, and I may regret only putting $20 on that. <laughs> well, Mike Tomlin, you can surely expect a team that is going to be super competitive. Speaking of competitive, that is probably selling it short, what we've seen from a conference realignment standpoint. Um, Mike, let, let's start here. If you are middle to bottom feeder teams in the Big Ten from a football standpoint, what do you make of the move of Oregon and Washington? Yeah, well, I think that uh, no one who is one of those wants to stay one of those. And there's always the belief that that whoever is in that group can do better. There's all that's that's what sports are about. We can do better. Well, we can we can change that. And sometimes it happens. I mean, it happened. Uh, irrespective of everything that uh, has become problematic over the last month and a half, uh, Northwestern did that. Northwestern was way was was not middle at all. I mean, they were legendarily bad for a very long time, and then became a very significant program in the league. So, it is possible to do that. It 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 did just become significantly more difficult to do that with the addition of Oregon in particular and Washington at its potential. Mike, the, the, the way it stands right now, I am under the belief, I'm curious your thoughts, they're going to go two more. And I have a feeling on, on who I think those two are going to be, but let's, let's table that by asking this. The remaining Pac-12 schools – Certainly Cal and Stanford have the cachet, academically in particular, to probably have more flexibility. Do all four of those just go Mountain West and we're done with it? Or do Cal and Stanford still get in play, for example, in the Big Ten? Well, I don't think it's out of the question, but I also don't think – I think the difference would, – would, look, if, if they were looking for academic power – I mean, I, I'm not saying that the, that the Big Ten doesn't live up to the commitment – that when they add somebody, it it has it has a certain academic profile. That's been absolutely true, uh, but that that but they don't add somebody because of it. I mean, they they don't look for they have not ever looked for someone because of that. They've looked for someone because it made their athletic league better, and then but only but then that that someone would only become. Uh, an attractive target if they also met all the other Big Ten criteria over time. And so they're not going to get in based on that, or they, or, or that would have been a consideration before. The problem that Stanford and Cal have, and really the entire Pac-12, and I think that's kind of what has been lost over, over the conversation and all this, the problem that those schools have, uh, and, 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 but to a lesser extent – the two Southern California schools and Oregon and Washington is that their followings aren't great. That's, that's why they couldn't get, even with all the tremendous markets they have, think about it. The big 12 
the number was around thirty, thirty-one million dollars per school. And I and and I'll tell you right now, if 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 the Pac-12 had been able to go into the market and get that, every everybody but except possibly Colorado would still be in the Pac-12. And if they had the inkling that that's where it was going to end up, they may have stayed too. I think Colorado got tired of waiting around and sort of figured out this isn't going to happen and let's go ahead and do this now while everybody else waited. They waited and waited and waited and said, okay, what's the number? What's the number? And then the number comes up and it's like 20 plus whatever you guys can generate. And they looked around and they said, we don't generate that well. We're not going to get some big number. Like Lionel Messi's not coming in our league and all of a sudden going to send our number soaring. Because that's just not the way the Pac-12 has been. Their followings just aren't as passionate as they are in other parts of the country. And that became the problem for them. And that's the problem that exists for Stanford and Cal now. Mike DeCourcy is with us. You see him on Big Ten Network, writes for Sporting News. It's at TSN Mike on Twitter. Um, CBS obviously would have a say, or at least I would assume would have a big, big say in this, Mike. And maybe it's me overreacting, but what should be my fear level on the future of March Madness as we know it? Yeah, you know, I, I think that it's probably it, it's you, you've got to be alert. Uh, you've got to be aware of the threat. But again, most of what's happened, all nearly all of what's happened over realignment over the last now 14, 15 years has been what can we do to make more money? The people who understand March understand that this tournament, the way it's formulated, is a magic formula. You could separate it. Like, like think of it as the Beatles, okay? Like, John, Paul, George, and Ringo all did spectacularly well as individual acts. But as the Beatles, they were untouchable by anybody that's ever played. And, and so – you can take the tournament and you can make some money playing basketball, but you keep it as it is, and everybody makes more than they could ever possibly imagine making a part. Because that formula is – if the popularity of college basketball generally is X, the popularity of the NCAA tournament is literally like X times five. And – you can't just say, well, if we just had the big schools, we'd make so much more money, or at least we'd make as much and we'd keep it for us. Like, as it is now, X times five. Break it apart, and you're back at X. Why would you do that? You know, Mike, the, the, here's what's interesting to me. I mean, I agree with that, but yet this realignment is almost entirely, and I'm going by people that were somewhat – part of some of the movement on it entirely driven by yes money but in the big tens standpoint it was football driven it was football programs versus basketball programs which is why like for example even the big 12 and i'll give the big 12 credit i thought the big 12 you know they they were proactive but there was a a a talk there for a while that the big 12 was the one going to be the one that, that ended up being the pick through carcass in Kansas possibly was going to be left out because they were not a football but rather a basketball school. But because of the constant evolution of this, what stops, and I don't mean, Mike, a year from now, but five to ten years from now, what would stop the UCLA, the USC's, the Michigan's, the Ohio State's 
from then waking up one day and saying, you know what, let's go one step further. Purdue ain't carrying their weight. Northwestern, I'm tired of subsidizing Northwestern. I'm tired of subsidizing Minnesota. Let's boot them out. Let, let's, let's, let's play hardball. What stops that from happening? Well, I think that, honestly, and this is way above my pay grade, uh, I think whatever, what stops that from happening if it would be the nature of the agreement between the schools. And I don't, I don't know what that agreement is. That's why I said above my pay grade. I don't know what the, the language of the charter or the, uh, whatever agreements they sign when they, when they add new members, I, I don't have any idea what it says in those documents. So that's where I, I can't say. Um, I know it's not really ever happened. And so I assume that there, that it's either collegiality or there's something in those documents that says it can't happen. Uh, but we, we've not ever seen it happen in any league. And I think, and there's one more component. And, it, it, I'm, I, and I'm not, um, I am not picking on any of the people that you mentioned in particular, but if, if indeed there's someone in the league that's not very good, let's say, and I'm not going to pick any particular school. Again, Northwestern at one point was not very good at basketball. They just made the NCAA tournament. One point wasn't very good at football. They played in two of the last five or six in, uh, Big Ten championship games. So, but, but you always have – somebody out there has to lose the games. So that's part of it. You have to have somebody to beat. And if you have somebody that and, – and again, Northwestern doesn't fit this profile anymore – uh, but if there's someone out there that's pretty good at getting beat, that makes them an appealing partner. Are uh, you football Washington, uh, knocking the, on the door right there? The Washington Generals have been added as the Big Ten's <laughs> 19th team. Mike, I, if you don't mind, I want to go back to the March Madness thing. And again, this is my fear speaking, so I apologize yeah. up front. But no. will there be a time where you've got these ADs or university presidents from these mega conferences and say, you know, screw the swack getting an automatic bid? Why don't we, as a bigger brand, get a seat at the tournament table? And now there's 12 teams from our conference in there. Like, financially, how would that look, of course? But do you think that is a possibility that we get to, based off how these mega conferences seem to be controlling everything, where they just push the little guy off the table? Well, that's what I was just talking about, though, Kev. I was talking about the the fact that, again— just using simple math and I'm just, and this is a reality. These are, these are close to real numbers. The popularity of college basketball is X, whatever that X figure represents the popularity of the NCAA tournament as a television product is literally somewhere in the ballpark of X times five. The, the formula of automatic bids and all of that and one versus 16 and all of that makes that tournament worth a fortune. Mm -hmm. It's going to be, as of next year, $1.1 billion that's going to come to the NCAA, and most of that goes back to the participating schools. $1.1 billion just for three weeks of college basketball. That's a ton of money, and and it's a very reliable ton of money. Now, there are people in the business, in, in in the television business or the consulting television business who will tell you, that $1.1 billion now that, that, that Mark Emmert agreed to in 2016 and, and the NCAA structure agreed to in 2016 is an undervalue. That this tournament as it's constructed now, if it were able to go into the open market today, would be worth even more than that. So I don't think that 
I don't think that that's a, a risk. I think the risk, really, the biggest risk, is in big, bigger conferences. Uh, and I, this was particularly true of the SEC a year ago. As the SEC grew to 16, saying, are there going to be enough bids for all of us, for all of our good teams? Well, let's get just, – let's just have more bids. Let's make it 72. Okay, more bids. Or let, or what that committee, the Division One's uh transformation committee said which was 25 percent of your participating membership which in basketball men's basketball is more than 90 teams and so the mathematical uh uh the structural uh circumstance would say 96 that's the risk and it's a terrible risk because it not only ruins the x times five it ruins the x because i I, I, you guys know I, i do the brackets for fox sports so I know what's on both sides of that line between 68 and 69. I know what's on both sides of that line. And believe me, there are not qualified tournament teams on the other side of that line. There are not teams that are going to make it richer. And what you do is if you make it easier to get in, then what happens is that the already somewhat problematic popularity of the regular season a lot of people in your business who 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 do national work and who don't work in a market where college basketball is extraordinarily valued don't even pay attention to basketball until march don't even pay attention to the ncaa basketball until march and they say ah it's a one-month sport well if you take it to 96 you're telling them they're right because 96 says Anybody that can dribble the ball three times without bouncing it off their foot, totally agree. A tournament team. And here's the thing, Mike: the numbers would tell you Notre that Notre Dame might have got in last year. It's the final fours need Kentucky, Carolina, Duke, Kansas because the ratings would tell you that it's when the blue bloods are in there that the ratings go up. Yes, but the but round one needs Northwestern State and Northern Iowa, and you know, I mean, the the drama of it that that makes it what it is. I mean, it's it's absolutely. The greatest. By the way, Mike, uh, Steelers over under is eight and a half in Vegas, which means they are uh, predicted. And I'm a Steelers fan growing up. I was a Steelers fan as well. Uh, 500 team, baby. Right there in the middle. <laughs> Can't go 500 anymore, Jake. I know. It's well, you not, know, it's, it's so if you, here's possible. the thing if, if the over under is eight and a half and they go eight, eight, and one, is that a push? That's an under. Yeah, I think it, I think it is. I think it is. I think it should be a push. You got a half a win in there. Isn't it eight and a half? <laughs> Come on, man. I don't know. Eight and a half wins. I think it's just that Mike, far left column. Mike, you know me. I'm the eternal optimist, man. I mean, people tell me I just I just ooze and radiate sunshine everywhere I walk because I'm such an, a positive outlook guy. You need one of those uh, bookmaking people in here to tell you whether or not that's a push because I don't know the answer to that either. I don't know. What's in the document, and I don't know whether a tie uh, on the over and under counts as a push. That's right. Send you back to the Bahamas, Mike, for some education (laughs) on that front. Uh, Great stuff, Mike. Thank you. Thanks, fellas.